man, we really want to make Netflix. And then you talk to an aggregator and they say, well, hey, this is what you got to do to make Netflix. And you're like, eh, that's not really what we want to do, <laughs> you know? And so at the end of the day, it was like, hey, we got to make a film that's its truest to us as the as the as the creative filmmakers and producers of this film we had to make the one that was truest to us so i would flip it on you dale and ask you what was your i guess tipping point to say like no we're not gonna go to netflix rock when we when we first got into this thing it was like netflix a bus right hey guys real quick dr dale here all right so i want you guys to do me a favor before you start this episode please hit that pause button and click subscribe or click follow or click like, whatever it is. We work really hard to bring you guys this good information to uplift the entire community. And we really appreciate you guys supporting our efforts and our work. Love you guys. Enjoy the episode. I want them bad like a daddy, yeah. Only do it like flagger, yeah. I'm kicking flame with no saga, yeah. I like them blues. I might go Janet like Jackson. I got them options, yeah. It's all about progression. Life is like a blessing. Everything a win, loss is like a lesson. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, ain't no time for stressing. I've been really stepping. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, if you wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got them racks, ain't playing around. Wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got them racks, ain't playing around. Black man, white coat, shit, we up. Hey guys, Dr. Dale again. Man, two weeks in a row. I'm sorry. Here's another disclaimer. The audio on my part on this, again, is messed up. This time it's a little bit staticky. I don't know why that happened. Even my guest said that he didn't hear it throughout the whole show, so he's not sure why it happened either. But I am going to step up my game, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to step up my game. But again, the content is so good that I'm going to put it out anyways. I'm not going to throw this one away. Content is so great, all right? I apologize, but it's a good show and you're going to enjoy it. Love you. What is up, fam? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor of Wisdom from Parents Who Did It, Dr. Pre-Med Monday, is the author of Black Men and White Coats, and the author of the Dr. Doc Children series. And of course, this is a Black Men and White Coats podcast, a place where Black clinicians have the platform to share their stories with listeners like you. Oh my goodness, I'm super excited about today's episode. I can't tell you how excited I am as somebody who's become, um, we start off as, I guess, kind of work acquaintances, and now we just become buddies and such, and it's great. So I'm super excited to introduce you to this gentleman because it's the first person on the podcast that's not a clinician. First time ever, right? Really? <laughs> first time ever, right? I'm gonna introduce you to him here in a second, but before I do, let me get you caught up in the world of black men and white coats. Man, so today, as you are, if you're hearing this podcast today, we drop it, February 1st, Black Men and White Coats documentary is officially released. Officially released, man, we have, hundreds and hundreds of screenings that are gonna be happening over the, across the country over the month of February. We're super excited to that. So special shout out, thank you to all of our partners who, um, you know, who, who are hosting these screenings, hundreds of screenings happening across the country, right? And we hope it's gonna keep on going more and more and more because we do believe this is an important uh, message. Secondly, don't forget the Black Men and White Coast Youth Summit is gonna be taking place next week, starting next week. Next Tuesday, we got something. Next Thursday evening, we got something. And then Saturday, we've got something, all right? So make sure you're registered. I'm going to put the link down below in the show notes. So make sure you've gone and, and, and you've done all that. Man, super excited about today, man. Super excited about today's guest. Let me go ahead and introduce you to my guy. My guy from, um, I'll just tell you who he is. All right, so he is the director of the Black Men and White Coast documentary, Mr. Micah Autry from Own Motion Arts. I guess it just ends arts, Mike. Is that right? Do I need to say film production? Anything about that? No, no, that's fine. <laughs> arts, arts is good. <laughs> there you go. So, Micah Ajman, and man, first person ever, Black Men White Coast, who is not a clinician. I'm super excited to have you. Appreciate you joining the show, brother. How are you? 
I'm doing well. How about yourself, man? I'm doing good, man. Super excited about this. So, you know, of course we had to do this episode today because this is the day the film drops and you and I are going to get into, we're going to tell the stories. We're going to talk about how we made this film and all that stuff. And, you know, just so people know, when I do these shows, Michael was saying, where the show notes at? We ain't got, we don't have show notes, <laughs> right? It's, you know, I just hop on here, call Mike and say, hey, Mike, you want to hop on here and do the podcast? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do it. That's how, that's how this happened. Okay, so we're just going to talk and just and just kind of be real and just talk about the process, I guess, of, of making this documentary because people want to know and they ask these questions about, you know, tons of questions. Oh, Mike, and I haven't even told you yet. So, you know, this weekend we had a pre-screening for a lot of the organizers. So, yep. um, you know, we did it for up to 300 people. And last I checked, only two tickets were left, right? So that means 298 wow. people organizing across the country already awesome. um, screening, this, screening this film. And the feedback I'm getting is ridiculous. Like the feedback I'm getting is absolutely amazing. Um, I'll send you some of it, you know, so you can see it, but it it literally kind of like warmed my heart, the stuff that people are saying about this. So, you know, I feel I feel very, very um, I say humbled and grateful that, that you and I had the, you and I and the entire team, you know, um from BMWC yeah. Media and um um had the opportunity to do this together. Um but let's all right, let, let's let's go back into this whole journey, right? Go back to the journey. Well, so I'm curious, actually, before I, before we kind of get into how I found you, you how did you 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 knew about black men and white coats in the past? Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Tell tell me about that. So first, I want to say that's a big shoes to feel to be the first non clinician on the podcast. So I want to start off there. If you mess, if you mess up, you can do that. I'll see that now. So. You- <laughs> So that's the that's the first thing. But the second thing, yeah, I'd heard about the black man in white coats movement, if you will. Uh, so I did a film over a black physician here in a DFW area. And he was like, man, this uh, he, he called your kid, but he's an older physician. But he's like, hey, this kid here is doing some great things for black men going into medicine. He's like, check out this uh, this Kickstarter and some of the the smaller mini docs this year did. So I was like, man, like when I seen Dr. Dale Okradudu in my email, I was like, hey, I know that guy. I know that guy. <laughs> like, I went and told the team. I was like, hey, this, uh, I, w- I was so excited. So, uh, yeah, I- I'd heard about you through that uh, that previous film project and just, you know, Googling and all that good stuff. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, so th- you know, then I- I'll talk a little bit here and I'll talk about kind of how we got to, to finding you because, you know, people ask, like, how do you do all this stuff? How do you, how do you find who you're going to work with? So we actually had a few people who wanted to do this project with us, right? Um, you know, we're blessed with that. And and we had people who have won some like legit awards and who, you know, if I say the stuff, you, you would recognize the films that they've done. They really wanted this project. Um, we ended up deciding to initially to go with this one group in Nashville, who I think were phenomenal. And I still think they're phenomenal. Um, and and if you if you remember the Kickstarter, if you go back to the Kickstarter and watch the Kickstarter video, it's some it's not Micah in the original Kickstarter. Yes. <laughs> it's another gentleman, phenomenal people, absolutely amazing. I, I went out there, I flew out there to Nashville, right? Um, sat down, we had a day's meeting and the film and we did all sorts of great stuff. It was phenomenal. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna work with them, but at the end of the day, really honestly, what it was ended up, I thought they were just kind of a little bit too busy and this wasn't gonna be a priority for them. Um it, it, so that's that's kind of the feel I got. That was one thing. Um, second thing was was and Mikey, you you and I have done some podcasts and some interviews and such here lately for press. So you you said this and 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 maybe I should just let you I, I'm gonna let you say it instead of me saying it, but <laughs> but say say the whole deal about for you, why this film was important to you, because the idea about being a black man and things of that sort, because that's that was important to me also to have uh, somebody who could really, really relate to this film. So I'd like to hear from your perspective why why that clicks for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was important for me to take on this film because I'm a black man. These statistics that we're going over, 
these health disparities affect me. It affects my brother and my potential son. And so I think that's why it was important for me. It wasn't just making a film, <laughs> you know, it was really impacting my life, my community life, my family lives. And I think that's why it was so important to me because I, I am part of the plight that we're, that we're discussing in the film. Yeah. And, and, um, and I could tell that like whenever I reached out to you and I could, and we started engaging, I could tell, right? Cause it wasn't just one of those things where like, oh, great film, this is gonna be a great idea, great idea. If anybody who knows Mike, and Mike is very inquisitive, very intelligent, and um, he'll challenge you, you know, he doesn't just, he's not, he's not a, a yes ma'am type of person, right? He'll challenge you. And so whenever from the get-go, I'm telling Mike this type of stuff, and you could pick that up from the get-go, right? And I could tell that he was interested. I could tell he had his own ideas. And, for, you know, from almost the very beginning, you told me that like you, I forgot how old were you when you met the first black physician you ever met, black male physician? Yeah, yeah. So this whole idea of the lack of black men and white coach really hit home to me. And I didn't realize this. I was in college. I met my first black male physician when I was a senior in college. I did his daughter's wedding and I ended up doing a short film over him. But I had never had a black male doctor when I went to the ER. And I was in Texas Children's Hospital all the time because I had asthma growing up. So I was to the doctors all the time, right? And, and had, you know, uh, doctors for allergies and things like that. But I never had a black male doctor. And I really believe that if I had been exposed to it sooner, I could have potentially went into the field of medicine or something in the healthcare field. If I was exposed to it, I was literally never exposed to it. So it was not even an idea that I can conceive about because I never saw it. Yeah. So you imagine, so think about you telling me that story, right? When I meet you earlier on, right? Yep. So here I remember who runs black men and white coats. I'm trying to make this film to impact the world and such. And I want to hire this crew and I wanted to hire you. I didn't know anything about that. I wanted to hire you because I saw your work. Yep. Right. So you first spoke first. I'm like, man, these people, they put together high quality work, right? Yeah. And then I meet you and then you tell me that story about, yeah, I never met a black male doctor. And I'll, so for me, it's no brainer. Boom. It, ding. It clicks. This yeah, kid yeah. gets it, right? I'm sorry, I call you a kid because you're younger than me. It's fine. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> but, but I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, this kid gets it, right? He understands, he understands it already. And so for me, it just made sense to work together. Now we have to we have to negotiate and do all that jazz, but you got to do the business part. So yeah, we, did, yeah, we yeah. got through that. So I'm happy we did. Um and for a second, Michael, you almost walked away from the deal, man. Michael Hillman, he almost walked away. Yeah, yeah. And, and, let's, and not, let's not talk about the dollar amounts, though, but he almost walked away. I'll tell you that. Well, I'll tell you this, what was really important about our negotiations, I went to my mentor who I still talk to. I was I was bidding on another deal last week and I reached out to him again. And I told you, I was like, hey, Dale, I'm gonna reach out to my mentor. Um, this is my first ever featuring film, right? And so not only do you wanna have fair compensation, but you wanna make sure that you can make the best quality product. Not only because your name is on it, but because we're trying to make an impact and a change here. So I reached out to my mentor. And when I told you that, you were like, that's awesome. Cause I would have reached out to my mentor too. You know, you talked about your mentor that you have and, and, and I've met him, John, that guy's awesome. I've reached out to him about an idea and stuff like that. So just having that ability to go out there and, and reach out and lean on people, which we talk about mentorship in the film, <laughs> right? Yeah, just having yeah. that ability to lean on someone and, and, and seek that wisdom. I think that was super important in the whole negotiation process. And I mean, in making a film in general, you know, just having that person that you can go to and, and, and ask for that solid wisdom and, and advice. Yeah, and then I almost got mad at your mentor when you're about to walk away. I was like, hold on now. Who's this guy giving Mike a bad advice? No, I'm joking. Um, but it worked out good and you know, we, we, we did what we did and it was great. All right, so you know we got through all that phase, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. What was it like working with me? Yeah, so Dale is not a yes man either, right? And so um, 
And don't I, spill I actually, the beast too. Don't, don't spill the beast too much because so people see me in different silos. So some people like see me in work and they don't know how I act in different silos. So don't go out here making me, you know, spill my beans too much. So this was my one observation. I was actually on a panel last week about uh, creators working with more professionals, right? Doctors, lawyers, engineers, right? And I think this is where um, the, the rubber met the road for us. As a clinician, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. you all have a problem and you seek out solutions, right? So if you're trying to treat someone, hey, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you're gonna try until you find a solution. In the creative arts, we don't try until we find a solution because there's no solution we're seeking. We're seeking manifestation of an idea. So I, Dale would My always- God. I don't he, understand anything you say, man. What is that? <laughs> but, but no, no, no. Dale, Dale, Dale would text me all the time, guys, and be like, hey, can we try this? Can we try this? Can I'm like, Dale, we can try anything, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's about what do you envision and that you want to bring to life through the visual art. We can, it's, we're not trying to find a solution. We're trying to make what's in our head come to life. And so I used to tell you all the time, like, yeah, we can do it. We can do that. We can do that too. Cause we're not trying to seek a solution. So I think that was the, the biggest thing is just working. Like I said, with professionals, doctors, lawyers, you guys are solution-based uh, creatives are more manifestation-based. Let's bring it to life. What's in our heads. Yeah. You're definitely right, man. Cause we tried a lot of things. Yeah. We can try it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, <laughs> oh, excuse me. but um, to your point though, so, you, you know, you're 100% right, though. That That is how I think, right? It's a problem, solution, problem, solution. And, you know, we made this film because there was a problem, and I was trying to contribute a solution. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, this film is supposed to contribute to the solution, so the film needs to have, like, solutions in it and stuff like that. But it, but it was fascinating. I do remember those many conversations we had where Micah's kind of like, yeah, Dale, look, we do, I, I can do anything you want to do, but at some point, though, you got to stop. <laughs> at some point, though, we got to finish the film, right? Um, which was interesting. Now, so something, so here's a question I'm getting a lot. So people see the trailer mm-hmm. um, and the people who've already seen the film, you know, we've had, we've had a few people view it and now we just had sure. you know, maybe 300 people or something just do the first kind of pre-screen here. And, and the feedback we get is phenomenal. I'm not even joking. So people listening, if you guys would, when you guys see the film, you know, okay. But the feedback we get is just absolutely crazy, phenomenal. The best feedback I got was actually from, um, you know, from Trisha. Um, and she said something to the effect, and this touched me, man. I got it this morning. She it touched me. She wrote an email. She said, "Hey, um, Dale, you know how when you go to church, and you and you 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 come back and you're so full, but it's not full. It's, it's the type of full that you can't get from food, but you're like so full, and you want to go scream and shout from the mountaintops, and because you're so excited, and you just want more and more and more. That's how I felt after I watched your film, wow. and I was like, I've never anybody described anything like that. It's crazy, right?" I got that. I just got one from um, a very high level person, like a vice president dean type of level person who said that in all their career, they haven't seen anything. They haven't done anything that's impactful in your line of work. Not done anything, but they haven't come across anything that's, good, that's as impactful as this film in your line of work. Right. And, and this is just opening weekend. <laughs> and I can, I can go through my phone and show you these things that are coming in my emails. And so this is just coming in. So, so people see that. And then based on that, the question is like, man, why isn't this on Netflix? You know, yeah, or why isn't this, yeah. why isn't this going, why isn't this going to whatever, um, Hulu, blah, 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 all these different places. And Mike, you know, it's not, I haven't told people this, um, unless if you're in my close circle, we, you know, I don't discuss this type of stuff, but what we ran into is our agent and it's not bad. So we, I'll just go out there and start by saying we do have options, right? So there are places that there are, we do have a few places that have asked, um, that we could put this film out on these services. If I say a couple of them, you guys might know them, but I'm not going to say them. Right. Um, but a couple of the bigger ones. When we go, when my the feedback the agent gave us was that 
the fact that it was black men in white coats was too small. And, and they would run into trouble if they put out a film on just black men in white coats. So they were, they were trying to protect themselves, right? So that's the feedback we got. Um, so that's one part of it that I just want to throw out there because I know people are going to listen and going to have that question. So that's the answer to that. We do have options. So at the end of the day, I, I turned the things that we got offered. I said no to them because, um, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I grew up in a Master P generation, you know, so <laughs> I think about things differently. So we said no to those things, but that's a different, different topic. For now, at least we said no to them. Um, but Micah, now I want you to talk about this whole idea, the battle we faced when we we're talking about, do we make a film for Netflix? or do we make the film that we set out to make? And I'll let you kind of describe that so people understand how much we struggled over how to make this film early on. Yeah, absolutely. We had a lot of meetings uh, between the two of us, between you, I, your mentor. We also brought in um, aggregators and showrunners and things of that nature. And when you're looking to make a film for the masses, they are looking for controversial. They're looking for finger pointing, you know, who can we put this blame on, right? They're looking for victimhood. They're looking for things that's going to sell, right? And, 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 and if it bleeds, it leads. That's what you learn in, in, in film school, right? But I, I kept telling Dale over and over again, I don't think you can do both. I don't think you can make a film that bleeds and has that, all that controversy and still make an intellectual film that's going to empower the Black boys and girls watching this film and also elicit change and the medical missions process and things like that, those higher level achievements that we wanted to accomplish. I don't think you could do both. I think you have to do one or the other. And I mean, it was, it's hard, <laughs> you know, when you're going through that creative process and you're like, man, we really want to make Netflix. And then you talk to an aggregator and they say, well, hey, this is what you got to do to make Netflix. And you're like, eh, that's not really what we want to do, <laughs> you know? And so at the end of the day, it was like, hey, we got to make a film that's it's truest to us as the as the as the creative filmmakers and producers of this film we have to make the one that was truest to us so I will flip it on you Dale and ask you what was your I guess tipping point to say like no we're not going to go to Netflix right when we when we first got into this thing it was like Netflix or bus right we're, we're yeah. big three in, in, in Brooklyn championship or bus <laughs> but but at the end of the day it was just like no let's make the the film that's most authentic to the issue uh what was the tipping point for you um is exactly what you're saying. It was being true to the issue, right? So we started Black Men in White Coats in uh, 2013, and we started with a reason. And it's very important type of stuff I teach my kids and things of that sort. Is you want to stay true to what you're doing. You want to, you know, I mean, you you know, you know my my faith perspective, Micah. You know, I'm a follower of uh, Christ and biblical perspectives. That's just that's me. And a big part of that is very mission oriented. Like who are you type of thing. So I wanted to stay true to that mission. And yeah, we could have gone out there. We could, man, we could have gone out there and made the, the baz, the, the dopest, whatever you want to call it, documentary. And it's not hard, right? You can do it. You can, we can figure yeah. that stuff out. But then we, at, at end of the day, I would have looked back and said, man, did that do what we we're trying to do? Yeah. Like, did that, did that, like you said before, you know, I'm thinking about solutions. Did that provide a real solution? Yeah. And, and, and it didn't. And I remember one day where you and I met him, it might have been the day we met with, um, I won't say his name on here, but we met with some producers and things like that. So who've, mm -hmm. who've done some very notable things. If, if, if I said the name, you guys, will, some of you guys will know, will know the show that they've done at least. And we met with them. And I remember going, like, I think it was later that day or sometime that week. I remember going back and hearing that Lupe Fiasco song, Dumb It Down, you know, Dumb It Down. You ain't popping in the streets, Dumb It Down. And I remember, and so those of you who don't know the Lupe Fiasco song, Dumb It Down, maybe go listen to it and you'll understand. But the general idea is, is he was doing intellectual things. He's a hip hop artist, he does intellectual things. 
things to get people to stimulate your minds, to think very conscious. And they were saying, hey, you need to stop being so smart. You need to dumb it down, do what the masses want you to do, you know, do all the stuff to get people twerking and all that stuff like that. You need to make that type of music. And he's like, nah, I ain't dumbing down nothing. I remember listening to that and I started texting my brother and stuff. I was like, nah, we're not dumbing this down. Like, that's not what we're here for. We're trying to, we're trying to raise up society. We're trying to, we're trying to have a positive impact, not just in the black community, but across society as large. So we're not dumbing it down. If, if, if we do that and they don't want it, they don't want it. That's fine with me. But if we can do what we're trying to do, which is help solve a problem to contribute to the betterment of healthcare and beyond healthcare society, then for me, that's a victory. Um, and I would definitely say 100%, Micah, based on what has transpired since then, without doubt, we made the right decision. I can tell you that <laughs> much, right? And I, and I also tell you that I think, well, I'm not against that, but without doubt, we made the right decision. Let me let me interject right there, because I know for me personally, this this was our baby, right? We really put some some time, literal blood. I sent a picture of, of Dale with my my hand bleeding from uh, from editing. Literally, yeah. I had like a little rash there. But um, let me ask you this: How did you take that initial feedback that wasn't necessarily positive? I know we sent like the first. Uh, edition of the trailer and someone said it was too, I think, newscastery. We had those other firms saying it was too small, whether they were talking about the production budget, it looked too indie, or they were talking about the fact that it was just black men. What was your initial reaction to that? Because I think that's a that's a life lesson for anybody listening. How do you deal with that? I guess you would call it rejection because I was, I was kind of down. I'm like, man, what you mean my, my film is too small? So what, oh. what was your initial reaction? Man, I was super down, man. You got to understand to me, I mean, you got to understand like type of person I am like, I was super down, like, like literal, like water in the eyes. I'm a man's man. I'm going to put that out there. I'm a man's man. Okay. But like literal, literal, like teary eyes, watery eyes. Right. And the reason that's the case is because I've got people who, who backed us, put up their money up front in this Kickstarter yeah. who were relying on us to do something. Yeah. And I didn't take that lightly at all. You know, I could say, you know, I was in, I was in, um, in, um, um, my Bible fellowship class one day. And so like we posted on Facebook, whatever. We're not even talking about movies or Kickstarters or anything. And then somebody just sees it. Is my my buddy the Clary's Chris, Chris Clary's his name. And he's like, "Damn, you making a movie? What Kickstarter? What? <laughs> I'm gonna give you this." And he, he puts up real money right then and there yeah. on the spot. So these are people who are like who are investing in us. So in my mind, I'm like, I, we have to do something successful to go back and show them to say, "Hey, look, thank you for supporting us. We did this." So it was hard, man. It's hard when people are telling you what you what what you made isn't right, what you made isn't good. Yeah. Um, no, you, 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 your film's not good enough for us. Um, so we definitely heard, I definitely, it, it was a struggle. I'm not gonna lie. If I was like, oh, I just blew my off was a struggle. But I'll tell you now, anything that, like that that will come through, I'll blow it off, right? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> the first time you make this type of film was a process. I've never been through this and, I, and you yeah. probably haven't been through this either. So it was a process trying to figure out how do you deal with turning down? Because you're like, man, if they don't like it, nobody else might like it either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then what you got to realize is, is the right people have to see it, right? Yeah. Um, and now without question, enough people have seen it now, we've got enough feedback and stuff from the right people that without question, we know it's, it's bonkers, right? It's not even like, it's, oh, your film is good. The feedback we've gotten like, yo, this is crazy. Everybody <laughs> needs to watch this. And yeah, you'll, again, yeah. I'll, send, I'll show you some stuff, Michael, so you can understand that I'm not gonna talk about too much here. But when, when you start getting that feedback, you're like, oh yeah, we did what we're supposed to do. It's just the wrong people on the other side didn't have the right people looking at our stuff. People who, people who aren't in the genre, right? Yeah, people, people who don't know what we're doing. So, yeah, that was my thought. So how it? So you know, for you, it's not just you and almost not. So we got to hold the whole crew there. Um, yeah. So what were the conversations like? So I talked to you because you you're kind of my my point, right? So I talked to you, so I know how you felt. But what was it like for you to then go back and tell your team this as y'all's meetings? What was what was those conversations like? So I'm a sports fan. Um, getting 
that feedback from whether it was um, a distributor or an agent or what have you, it was just fuel to the fire. It was motivation. It made us went 10 times harder uh, the next time that we were scheduled to film something. And I even uh, went out there and I'm going to get a, uh, a quote that says like too small dash distributor, right? Because that, that just stuck with me, right? Every time I talked to the team, I'm like, hey, we, we were too small, guys. And so we're just using that as uh, ignition fuel for the next project and, and even to finish this project. Um, so yeah, like you said, it was it was down in the dumps, man, when we got, you know, those first chain of emails and it was kind of that negative feedback, but um, it was fuel, man. It was fuel and I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and for, for the viewers, people who don't aren't in film, whatever. So the way it works is, right, so my agent will do all the stuff and then he'll send me a report and it's got all these places on there, like, you know, all these Netflix, blah, blah, blah on there. And it's just like decline, 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 right? And then has a reason. And a lot of them, you know, most of them weren't necessarily declined. It was like they sent them, but at this point in time, they hadn't responded. But when we got that first one, I'm like, man, all these places, man, like you said, Netflix was, you know, is, is bust if we don't get Netflix. And see that decline, like, oh, my goodness. And just seeing you looking at that sheet, like, man, I'm going to go back and tell all my Kickstarter supporters that we can't get them, get them, you know. And then it occurred to me, like, we don't need them. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> and it's funny because now we do have an opportunity to put it somewhere that people could see it. But I'm, yeah. like I said, um, you know, we have we have something good right now that's working the system of plan that that's that's phenomenal. So we're gonna we're gonna keep this pen. Yeah. But you know, it's just one of those things you just learn, like anything else in life, you don't let anything stop you. You gotta keep on going. And if you keep on pushing, keep on struggling, you're gonna find your success. And you know, I thank God that we were able to do that and we're still gonna do it. Film hasn't even released yet, and we already have, you know, it's gonna be shown to countless people across the country. Absolutely. I'm so excited about that. Um what because again, this is your first um feature film. So yep. what, what, what are your, let's say, two or three key takeaways? What did you learn in doing this large process? Uh, the, I'll go in reverse order. Um, number three, important, but not number one, uh, audio, man. Audio is everything. Making sure that you capture the cleanest, most pristine audio. Because especially in the documentary, your documentary is driven by audio. If you're doing a narrative piece, a lot of the visuals drive it. But in the documentary, when you have these educated um, subject matter experts, the audio drives it. So that was definitely number one. Uh, number two is it takes a while <laughs> to get this all done. I mean, we started filming back in December of 2019. Uh, we were editing. Obviously, we had a whole pandemic in the middle of this whole thing. Um, but it, it it takes a lot of man hours. I definitely underestimated the man hours. If you think like, hey, it takes you one week to do a five minute video. So do a 50 minute video, take 10 weeks. That is absolutely it does not work that it does not scale exponentially. It does not work that way. Uh, so just to be able to get something that, you know, 90 minutes in length on a timeline, because, uh, you know, us as video editors, we have it on a timeline and um, just seeing, hey, we're editing 16 terabytes of footage and things like that. Just the, the, the time that it took and how expansive the project was, was insane. And I think the biggest thing that I took away from this that I'm applying to, to everything is to focus more on planning and process over outcome. Um, I think with this film, we're really thinking Netflix and, and looking at what the end goal was, which is important. You got to have an end goal to know where you're going. But I think it's really important to have solid planning at the beginning and focus more on the process than on the end goal. So that's what I've been doing a lot of on, you know, my next project and things like that, really finding the planning. Because I, I would ask you, what was your uh, 
you know, toughest part of the project. Cause I know for me, it was really figuring out that storyboard and everything. Cause it was always fluid for us. Right. And I think that may have caused us to edit longer or, or may have uh, caused us to deviate here and there, but yeah, just having a solid plan, I think is the, the biggest thing. And I know for us, like I said, just getting that storyboard was kind of the hardest thing for us throughout the entire process. Yeah. The storyboard was definitely um, the toughest part. So, you know, for me, you say, what was the hardest part for me? So in making that storyboard, the hardest part for me was not trying to think too much about what other people would like. And, you know, I, I think, I think when, whenever I finally got to the point and said, you know, Dale, make the film that, that you, that you wanted to make, right. The film that the, the whole idea, like make that film. Yeah. Right. Um, and when, whenever that clicked finally, and, you know, we talked about this quite a few times, right. And we even talked about it with Andrew, you know, make that film. When that clicked, I think things got a little bit easier because prior to then, you know, I mean, you know, the story about email, I'm like, hey, Mike, move this on the storyboard and, and we're changing this thing over. <laughs> yep, like it's, yep, um, yep. what are those, like Tetris? Like we're moving pieces around like it's Tetris, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and it, it, I, I apologize, man. I don't know how much, I don't know how many times you guys, <laughs> you guys have to edit the story. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how many just... revisions I had you send me. But, you know, it's because what I was doing was I was trying to figure out like, what would that person like? What would that person want to see? What would that person want to see? And get to the point where you realize you can't, you can't, do this and do it thinking what would these people want to see mm-hmm. right because there's seven billion people in this world you're never going to get done <laughs> yeah. right so it had to be the thing like you know they'll really at the end of the day these people you're making a film and they're going to look and they're going to say you know did he do what he said it was going to do is he, is he being true you got to be comfortable with that you know so i think you know, I know that's what happened with me, Mike, and I'm thinking that might have clicked with you guys too, with you from kind of some discussions we had. And I think once, you know, both of us kind of came to that resolution that it got a little easier with the storyboard and we, we kind of stopped, you know, shifting things around too much. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a very similar experience in business in general, creating this film, right? So you have your shareholders or your stakeholders. So that's you and, and those people that made the the crowdfunding possible, right? So you got to consider what they want. Then you're also considering what your customer wants, right? And then you also have to consider about your internal team, right? Because I was leading this team where five or six people, producers, editor, graphic animators. And so uh, I know we were on a a podcast last week and you were talking about delegating every morning. Hey, this is what needs to be done, checking in with your team. And I definitely picked up on that and I started to use that same practice. But I think the, the the biggest thing when trying to figure out that storyboard was navigating those three areas, your shareholders, uh, your your customers, and then that internal team. So um, not even just thinking about the people viewing it, it was even more than that, making sure that you were satisfied, but also being a fiduciary and saying like, hey, this is what I think is best. Uh, so, I mean, that was that was a balance that I was always walking that tightrope. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> like I said, the fiduciary role, it's kind of, at the end of the day, they entrusted us with it. So yep. we have to be comfortable with, we have to be comfortable with our own feelings. That's what kind of what it came down to, you know, yep. um, you, 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 know, you mentioned COVID, right? COVID. <laughs> and people who don't say what? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I wish I hadn't, but so, you know, we do the black men and white coast youth summits across the country. Right. So we've done Dallas already in February, 20, um, 2020. Right. And you guys were out there, you guys did a lot of filming at our Dallas summit. And then we all flew out to Chicago and we did a lot of filming in Chicago. And I think that was like the weekend of like, First weekend of March, something. Yep. Yep. Right before COVID hit, right? COVID was creeping a little bit, but people weren't freaked out. None of this stuff like it is now. 
but then we're in Chicago that weekend and like, and then I think that's a weekend where South by Southwest and everything shut down after that yep. weekend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we just made it, man. We just, cause we just got through Chicago. We did our Batman and White Cup Summit there. We got tons of great interviews out in Chicago. It's where we got yes. Pierre, yes. Dr. Whitaker, all those guys, right. Um, um, Dr. Conway, Dr. McDade. So tons of phenomenal interviews out there in Chicago and COVID hits. What did COVID do for you throughout this process? Like how, how did COVID impact the filmmaking process for you? Well, you couldn't go outside. <laughs> so uh, it, it got us started on the editing process really quick. I was like, hey, Dale, we can't film anything else. So we might as well start these editing sessions with the interviews. And we were literally just editing interviews because we had nothing else, right? So it was a little unconventional in that way of the, the linear progress that we were making with the film. But mm -hmm. I actually think COVID for us was a blessing in disguise, right? It was some silver lining in there because you had to be inside. And what can you do when you're inside? We can sit down and meet every Friday or every Thursday and Friday and, and just hash out everything that we need to when it came to editing that content. And then once, uh, you know, flights started back and places started opening, we went back and, you know, filmed the, the remaining interviews. But I actually think it's a little bit of silver lining in there to have us start on the project because I underestimated at first how much editing it would take. You know, we even brought on an additional editor to help with a lot of that stuff. And so COVID made that possible because he couldn't go to his nine to five. So no. just trying to find some silver lining in there. Um, I read a book called The Obstacle is the Way. So how can we make this obstacle work for us? It was just giving us that extra time to get in the editing lab and, and crank out some edits. Yeah, man, I never want to say I'm happy about COVID because COVID stinks. You know, like I said, I've been to funerals. So I mean, yeah, COVID is COVID is no fun, but that definitely did. I think give that editing time. I, I definitely think it, it contributed positively to the film. Absolutely. Um, it, when COVID started, um, you know, when people started going outside a little bit more, Mike had to send me a text like, "Dale, the rest of the world is open now." <laughs> so, so we so we got other business we got to handle to handle too. Yeah, you know, yeah, I got, yeah. I got so used to Mike and them just being. Oh, I could text him any time of the day, and he's editing the film and such like that. So, you know. And then it was interesting because I'd say there's definitely some things we wanted to do that we ended up not doing. Like we're going to go down there and film um, with Shane Battier in Miami, right? So we ended up, actually, let me not, let me not get into that. Y'all watch the film, see how we ended up doing that. But um, uh, Shane, he is there. But, you know, some other things that I think we would have done a little bit differently um, in the COVID. And then, of course, when we went out to, um, you know, to meet Hill, right, Hill Harper, it was, it was, it, it was. Different. <laughs> different, um, different. He was great. No, I'm talking about he was talking about the, the try flat truck flying out there and stuff because yeah. nobody was traveling. It was COVID time, and yeah, crazy. um, we're just so I don't get in trouble at work, right? There were no bans. I was allowed to travel. We follow all the protocols. We follow all the procedures, right? State of Texas. We follow all that stuff, but it, it was just it was just different having to look up the rules and everything like that. So that that was quite fascinating. Um, so you know what. It, with this film, Micah, from a non-medical perspective, what are you hoping this film does? Yeah, yeah. From a non-medical perspective, I think it's all about empowering the next generation. And I think you use that exact terminology in the film, empowering the next generation to, to take control of their professional success. Right. So I know you talked about this a lot. The white coat. Yes, that's that's about going into medicine, but it's also about all professional careers, being a lawyer, being an engineer, being a filmmaker, finding success in your industry. And so my why in life is to help minority individuals gain professional and financial success sooner. So everything that I do, my company is just an avenue for that. This film was an avenue for that. And I think that's why I was really excited about doing it. Cause I'm like, 
we can help my little nephews. You know, I got three little nephews. They're literally signed up for the summit next week. You know, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally helping them. And so I definitely took it, took it personal. And I, I don't know if, if you're not supposed to take your work personal, but I took it personal. All right. Cause like I said, this is, this is my nephew. This is my future son. This is my brother. This is me. And uh, I think that's what I want out of it. I want to have people that look like me to be empowered to go out there and 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 get their seat at the table, uh, get the the equity that we deserve. But you got to work for it, and you got to know that you can do it. You can't be what you can't see. And I think this film is showing a little small anecdote here. I love sneakers. Uh, I own yes, way too. He many, does. I own way too many sneakers. Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm frugal everywhere else, but I like sneakers. Uh, but seeing Dr. Uh, Pierre at the summit, he had some Jordan 11s on, and he had his necklace on, and I was like. I could have been that guy. I could be that guy. And you just never, you just never see that, right? Cause you, you see guys in white coats or, or women in white coats and they don't look like you. They don't dress like you, but just seeing him with those sneakers on with his white coat sitting there, I'm like looking at the dude that I'm like, I, yeah, yes, yes, yes. If y'all don't know Dr. Pierre Johnson from Postal <laughs> Perseverance, shout out to the Postal Perseverance. He's a flies, flies doctor on the block, man. Pierre Johnson, man. Got the yes. mohawk and everything, man. The earrings, all that. So that's what it's about. Putting that guy in front of a camera. So, me when I was 12 could see it and be like, hey, I can I can be him. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so this is the man, I got two questions. Let me which one first? Okay, let me ask you this one first. Um whenever so whenever I came to you guys say, hey, this is what I'm working on, blah blah. Were you guys intimidated at all? How did you approach that? Like I know you wanted to do it, you were excited, but did you stop to think like wow, we've never done anything to this scale? So you guys know Mike is a young filmmaker, right? And do does a lot of corporate work. And so this is a completely different ballgame from corporate work. So what were your thoughts about thinking like, okay, can I do something like this to the scale? I was absolutely terrified, Dale. <laughs> terrified <laughs> of the- You told me that before, man, I might not pick you up. <laughs> absolutely terrified. Terrified of the money amount, terrified of making sure I can please you, terrified of just pulling off a 90 minute project. Like you said, I never did anything past a half hour. So I was absolutely terrified, but uh, Tom Bilyeu, uh, he was the founder of um, uh, Quest Nutrition and things like that. He was like, if it scares you, go towards it. Right. And so was I was I really unsure of my competencies as a filmmaker? I can film. I can edit. I can do sound. I can make a story. No. Right. You were scared of the unknown. Right. And if you want to be great, if you want to reach your full potential, you got to get out of that comfort zone and face that unknown. And so, I mean, I, I, I went back to the team. We had several meetings. It was like, should we do this, guys? And they're all looking at me. I'm, I'm the leader. They're like, well, if you do it, we're in. If you don't, we're out. <laughs> and I was like, all right, it's all back on me then. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, it terrified me, but it's good. It gets you up. It gets your blood going. It 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 it, it keeps the goosebumps up, and it, and it keeps you on your toes. And I man, I love it. And I'm I'm yeah, I, I love it. It gets me going. As you can see, I can't even talk now. That adrenaline's pumping. But yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a lot of fun. I love that bill you quote, man. I tell you, so linking it to medicine, I'm a critical care doctor, pulmonary critical care doctor, right? So that's the same reason I kind of went into the ICU because I remember being in the ICU when I was a um, resident physician. And first time I go in there, I was scared because, you know, you got all these loud machines and people are sick and you're dying. And, stuff. and I was like, man, can I take care of these patients? Mm -hmm. A little bit scared, but I've always had the mindset. I've always kind of done that thing about go towards what scares you, right? So I was like, man, now I got to go in there. So, I, you know, so I'd be going to the fire, I'd be doing, I'd be challenging myself and stuff and I ended up becoming an ICU doctor. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's a great quote that she says. So listeners, kids, whoever's listening to it, that's something to take to heart. Now, let me ask you, your family, because your family and such, what, what is the reaction like now? What are they thinking now that, you know, they'll be able to see it here soon if they, for the ones that haven't seen it and, and just know that you just, you just pulled off this project. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not like sitting here saying like we did anything super great or anything like that. 
But you you just did a, I mean, you guys just directed a legit film that is probably gonna have a different type of impact on this world, right? Yeah. yeah. Not like you guys just went out there and directed a film. You guys directed a film that's more than likely gonna have a real impact. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's that? What's the feel like from your family? And then and then what's the then how do you feel about that also afterwards? Absolutely. Uh, so in a truncated version of what my family thinks of my profession, we'll, we'll keep it truncated. They're like, he plays with cameras for a living, right? Like he went to, <laughs> he went to liberal arts school and, and it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Like my mom is super supportive. She's there, watched every film, shares everything on Facebook. My brother loves it. I actually got into film because of my brother, but it's kind of like, he, he, I don't, I don't have a nine to five, right? I play with cameras for a living and I'm sitting at my computer all day. Like, like I'm a gamer. Right. So it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, cool. Whatever he does is awesome. Like they completely trust me and, and it's awesome. But, um, <laughs> so outside of he plays for cameras for a living, uh, the, the, the impact, um, I think the biggest thing is my, my youngest niece uh, who turns seven, she's a Doc McStuffins fan. And when they saw that we did the interview with Dr. Maisha Taylor, it was real to them. It was like, and, and for the audience who don't know, the, the character is kind of um, in honor or, or connected to Dr. Maisha Taylor, the Doc McStuffins character. And when they the saw that- I think, um, I, think, and I think in Doc McStuffins, Doc McStuffins' mom's name is Maisha after Maisha. There we go. Yeah. And so uh, when they saw that, they were like, oh, this is, this is big, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was just like, I was playing with cameras again. It was, yeah, he's making a film. Okay, cool. But once they saw that picture, they saw that interview and they start looking up because, I mean, we got some huge medical players. I, I knew Dr. Quinn Capers prior to meeting him for the film. Yeah, I follow him on Twitter. He has that whole uh, Black Men in Medicine movement going on social media. And so like, these were like superstars in my eyes. I'm like, oh, we're, we're I think I, I think I reached out to you. Maybe we should get Dr. Quinn Capers. And you're like, we already got him. I was like, oh, for real? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I was excited. And um. Yeah, but to, to say that when they saw that picture, they knew that there was a big deal. And now that they've seen the podcast and uh, the, the the articles written on it and, and being on this news outlet or that news outlet, uh, I mean, they're proud. My mom um, worked on the gray shift for, for 30 years at the post office, and we came from modest backgrounds. So just to be able to empower people like me, I think that's just the biggest thing. I keep saying it, but I mean, that's that's why I'm so passionate about this issue, and that's why I was so happy I could do this film. And um, I told my little niece, this is the second year that since we've been during the film that we've done Christmas and uh, she gets a lab, I give her a lab coat every Christmas. So she's got two lab coats. I have a little name monogrammed on it. And she says she wants to be a doctor when she was five and she's seven now. And she's, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a doctor. And so you can't be what you can't see. So I'm showing her these videos. I'm putting that lab coat on and I'm saying, Hey, you can, you can be a doctor and make sure that she hears that each and every day, just to reiterate it. Cause life's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you just got to see it to believe it. I love it, man. And the listeners, so when you guys hear him talking, you guys will understand why, again, we said that Michael was the right, right guy to go to. <laughs> like I said, it clicks with him, right? Like he felt it. And I think Mike and I have similar mindsets in a lot of ways, you know, so I think that's good. Um, I should have I brought my brother on the show too. It would have been nice if we could have had him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Himself. Um, so don't, anybody don't know my big brother, Dr. Daniel Corradudo, he's um, one of the associate producers on the, show, on the, on the project as well. If, if there's anything you could have done, and I know we're going to have to hop off here soon, but if there's anything you could have done differently during this process, what would that have been? You want, you want my philosophical answer or my real answer? I want both. Both. Um, philosophical answer. Maybe a more stronger Dale intro 
And I know that's kind of against like, oh, I know, I know Dale didn't want to be the star of this. It was, it was, it wasn't about you. It's about the issue. But I think just establishing a, a, a grander start with, with Dale. And we had some ideas that we wanted to do with like little kids and everything like that. Then COVID happened. We couldn't get them all in the same room and things like that. So that, that, that was one thing I wish I could have did differently. And then the second thing, super small, I wish I would have boomed everybody and never used a lapel. <laughs> it's just that simple. Uh, we yeah, went through trying. I would, to try I, I, I would agree with that second one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would have just boomed everybody. The entire your documentary, it was so tough to go through and and try to uh, manipulate and, and get the audio right with using those lapels. So uh, some small, but it 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 makes me uh, pull my hair out every time I watch the film because of that. Yeah, me too. I don't think it's small at all. Um, I don't think it's small. I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Um, yep. So sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we're learning together. We're learning together. Yeah, the 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 Dell intro thing. Yeah. I just can't get down with it. I, I feel you. I get it, right? Yeah, but, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, pe people people who don't know me don't know this, but I can't, like, I'm not that guy who, um, yeah. I don't know, whatever. Um, but it's, it's good, man, you know, and, you know, it's wrapping up. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna straight up say thank you, Micah, because, you know, this was a dream. People, so, you know, we talk about this, people say, oh, you got, how long did it take you to make the documentary? One year, two years? I'm like, no, this took me eight years to make this documentary, right? Because since 2013, it's been on my mind. I've been tinkering with it, playing with it, saying, how's it gonna get done? Like people don't understand, like, like I literally tried to start. So it's been in my mind for a long time. I literally tried to start. I attempted to start making this in 20, uh, what was it now? 2014? Probably 2014. I literally tried to start making this, right? 2014, 2015. Um, mm -hmm. Couldn't do it. Wasn't in a position to do it, right? Um, and it's still been in my mind. Da, 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 da. Long story short, finally got here. And it's here. So for me, Mike, I'm saying thank you to you because you guys helped me bring a dream literally to fruition. Yeah. And, and not just bring a dream to fruition, but like really brought us to fruition. And it's not just like, oh yeah, you made a documentary. No, it's like, no, you made a legit top <laughs> quality, like not second tier to anything documentary, right? This yeah. is like top shelves. I'm not a drinker, I don't drink alcohol. I don't really know what top shelf means. I just know top shelf means good. But this- <laughs> I didn't but, know it was correlated to alcohol. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, so you were to be. But, <laughs> so, but this is the, this is that top shelf type of stuff, right? Not, not, not just us saying it, right? This is the feedback we get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, to have somebody who could who could who could bring that to life because you go out there you shop and it, you know think about think about anything you've ever done in life where you, you where you don't know exactly what you get and you pay for something and the service comes back you're like like oh that's horrible I shouldn't have done it either that or it's like it's cool but it's not the it's not the best right that's not for me so I'm letting you know this to start tell you you and your team how good of a job you guys did you know for me it was like yo this is it like we get we got it we yeah, got yeah. you know this, like this is it. emoji <laughs> That's yeah, fire. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah put that fire. Yeah, Somebody yeah, that yeah. fire much, but you know. So I mean, to to bring that to fruition, it was super cool. Oh, you know what? I just thought about one more thing. I think we we just talk about talk about the barbershop night. What was going on the, the, in the barbershop night? All the stuff that's happening in town that night. That's something that's fascinating. I think for people to hear. Yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like anytime I have to do sound on a film of any kind, some weird noise just followed me. I feel like that's just. <laughs> Uh, that's my bad karma or something. But uh, in all seriousness, the the barbershop filming that we did, which is a main the main component of the film in terms of um, a dialogue perspective, uh, took place the week of the George Floyd tragedy. And we were filming on Lamar Street here and in, in right outside of downtown Dallas. We're about a block away from the police station. And so we show up. I showed up about 5, 530. I'm like, that's a lot of people out here for it to be a <laughs> random Friday, a random Thursday in the middle of like a pandemic. Like, why is all these people out here? And so like, we're trying to find a park and we get inside and 
then it gets louder. We walk outside and like it's like a protest going on, but it's not your average protest. I mean, it's people with AR-47s walking down the street, <laughs> cops everywhere, people with masks on. It's just complete. Um, and and the people with AR-47s or whatever are not cops. Let's say that. Or sure not say. the cops. I mean, it was it was. I just used the word interesting. It was interesting to to try to focus on what we were looking to accomplish. And that was happening literally on the other side of a glass window, right? I know the barbershop owner, Miles Jork was like, oh, we don't have nothing to worry about. I'm like, but it's a glass window right here. I mean, you know, Miles from, Miles, Miles from South Side of Chicago, that's why Miles said that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, now, I was worried. <laughs> and so I'm not from South Side of Chicago. I was worried. I was like, uh, it's the glass window right here. You just don't know what, what's going to happen. But just, I mean, it was literally cops going up and down the street the entire night. I know uh, two people from our production staff, they left early. We were there to, what, midnight, one o'clock or something like that. It was like um, two people of our production staff had to leave early and they couldn't get out. It was roads or barricade. They were protesting on the freeway. They couldn't go anywhere. So that was just a very interesting night to try to film the most important part of your film, <laughs> uh, for sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I say it's one. I say one of the most important parts. The, the film's pretty stacked, man. The film's stacked. So we got a lot of good stuff in there. But well, the, the reason why, if you let me interject here, the reason why I think it was the most important part is we are talking about these clinical issues that we're that we're trying to solve with healthcare disparities and getting more black men into medical school. But I think it was the most important part because it was the most relatable part. As a black man, the barbershop, I remember going to the barbershop when I was three, four years old. I'm going to go until I don't have hair anymore, right? <laughs> so well, I, I'm already I, there, so uh, I'm yeah, there. However, however old that is, and just the conversation that you have in the barbershop, whether it's sports, politics, family, or, or in this case, medicine, it's just a, a, it's a common ground, just like a place of worship or, or your home that you can come together, congregate with your community. And that's why I think it was so important because it wasn't just an interview. It was more than that. And having, you know, um, your brother there, it was, it was very cool environment. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it was great environment. It was definitely one of my favorite, you know, things we did, definitely without without question. Um, you know, the other interesting thing about that barbershop again, remember, that's the that's the same building where um Botham John was killed. Yes, yep, remember? yep. So those of you guys might might remember Botham John was um you know was shot by a police officer here in Dallas and it was national news and a big thing. We're literally on the on the first level, Botham John, where he got, you know, where he was killed was just a few floors above us, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of very wow. interesting things about the barbershop that night. But when Mike is saying that there were sirens going up and down the streets, I mean, there were sirens going up. Helicopters. It was crazy. Helicopter. Yeah, there were yeah. people screaming. It'd be, you know, we get some time for filming. So we're filming. We're doing what we got to do. Then you just hear people screaming. Ah, people running down the streets. Wow. And I don't know if it was tear gas or what, but it was crazy out there at night. Yeah. But um, it made for a memorable night. It's probably a night that, you know, God forbid I get Alzheimer's or anything. But, you know, other than that, I probably remember for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, though, because we, we talked about what was our, you know, most challenging part of the film. But what was your favorite part about making this film? Um, honestly, my favorite part was kind of just just chatting with you guys, man. Yeah. Like hanging out, chatting with you guys and such, because it's different for me. Right. Because, um, mm -hmm. you know, I guess you could say I've, done, I've been doing a little bit of media stuff for a little bit now with the short docs and things of that sort. Yeah. But not at that level. And for me, it's always, it's always fun to be around people who who don't necessarily do what I do. But it's not just that, Mike. I'm, I'm giving you props, like I said, because I think you and I are similar. I enjoy being around people that pursue excellence, right? I enjoy being around people that have a certain mindset, who appreciate work. I enjoy being around people who um, who want to have an impact, who want to be leaders, right? So for me, it was it was enjoyable because it's not it was it's not just like I was making a film, but I was like, man, I'm making a film with the dude who maybe is like me if I were a filmmaker, yeah. if I was a director, <laughs> you know what I mean? 
yeah, yeah. So it was a it was a different type of because you know like I write books and they, you know halfway through the film, Mike's like, hey Dale, I've written a book before and actually I should shout it out. I got it on my bookshelf here somewhere. <laughs> right, what a book. Yeah, Hold on. <laughs> you say say the title. Tell say what your book is about. Let me see if I can grab it right here real fast. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can't hear me now. He took the headphones off. <laughs> oh, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> it's fine. You told me you were like tell me the name of it and then took your headphones off. <laughs> No, don't, don't tell me. I'm that. I got it. I want you to tell the people listening. Oh yeah. Okay. I was like, what? I, I thought you, you were tell me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Dorm life to work life is a um, guide on having millennials and Gen Z, Gen Y on how to bridge that gap in the professional world, whether that's corporate America or whether that's being a business owner working with. Ooh. You know. There we yeah, go. Got it. All right. So I'm doing this on video. I don't know if I put the video up or not, but this is it. Shameless plug. Yeah. Dorm life to work life. It's on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So for me. Anybody who told me they've written a book, are, that's, that's immediate, you're on a different level, right? Um, that's, that's immediately you're on a different level because, you know, somebody now has written, I don't know how many books I got now, eight or something, somebody's written, you know, written multiple books. I understand what it takes to write a book. I understand that, I understand that you're, you know what I'm trying to say. I understand not just anybody goes out there and writes a book and actually Yeah, does yeah, 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 yeah. Right? It's, it's a, a lot of a, words. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of words. The thought process, it takes commitment, persistence. Yeah, yeah. Um, a certain type of person will write a book, right? Yeah. Um, and after you write your second book, Mike, I'm gonna know you're legit because a certain type of person will write a second book. That's what I'm gonna get. He's <laughs> legit, All right? It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not just like writing a paper or whatever. It's completely different. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so halfway through this process, I'm like, man, you're like, yeah, then I wrote a book. I'm like, what, you wrote a book? So that automatically put me like, okay, so Mike is that type of guy. Um, so for me, that was the funnest part, really, just being around and seeing the way you guys operate, the way you guys work, and and being able to to kind of go through that. Um, and then you know we you know we we had fun. We did some other stuff in the process. I, I, there were some very memorable conversations I remember us having, um, not in the barbershop, but one of the first place we filmed, I remember our, let's not get into it, but I remember our, our Kaepernick discussions and stuff like that. <laughs> yes, right? yes, yes. So this, for me, those were fun too. Um, yeah. It was a good time, man. It's overall, Absolutely. overall good time. What about you? Uh, my favorite part was being a layman talking to all of these doctors. Uh, I oh. remember being in Chicago was, you know, Dr. Noble and, uh, Dr. Whitaker, yourself, and I'm in I'm in the circle with you guys, and we're up there chatting about the pandemic and and just hearing you all's insights. It's so interesting to see how you all approach, you know, someone someone's life. You know, I was talking to Dr. Noble. Uh, I believe he's a, a cardiologist or something like that, right? Cardi cardi cardiothoracic surgeon. Okay, I can't say that. He got it. Let me wait on. Let me shout out to Dr. <laughs> Noble, man. Dr. Noble is one of the well, on an individual supporter level, he was. Um, um, from the Kickstarter, he was he was the highest one, right? So he he's somebody who up front he believed in this. Um, not only did he believe it, but he walked it the whole way through with us, right? He flew out to Chicago to be with us. Yeah, and, yeah. You yeah. know, talking to him on the phone, he's one of my guys. He's got a, he's got a children's book coming out too. So you guys be on the lookout for Dr. Noble's children book coming out here soon. So I mean, he he's he's a real deal, man. Yeah. And he's works with a company called LiveChair. You guys could look up LiveChair. And these aren't shameless plugs. The reason I'm doing this because because I know I know what they're doing because I've sat in on the meetings and these are like legit things. So guys like Dr. Noble, I'm gonna shout him out just because you brought him up. Yeah, no, he was awesome. And so just hearing him speak, I mean, hearing Dr. McDade speak was brilliant. like it was brilliant, man. Amazing, man. I mean, you're you're getting front row seats to TED Talks, right? And and um, I'm a I would I would say I, I have a, a a thirst for knowledge. I read books all the time. That's what I do for fun. That's my hobby is to read books. So just to be able to hear these brilliant subject matter experts uh, talk about this topic and then just talk about life when we're off, offset was probably my most fun part of the the, the entire process. That was a good time. Good time. So I'm gonna do something really strange here, Micah. I'm doing this because I promised it. And let me see here. This might take a while. 
this might take a while, but I'm a man of my word, right? So when we did the Kickstarter a couple of years ago, I promised people I was gonna shout them out on the podcast. So okay. I'm just gonna read a long list of names here. So just bear with me. Let's do it. <laughs> um, because like I said, I'm, I'm gonna keep my word. So these are some of the people that backed us earlier on. And not, it's not all of them, but it's some of them, the ones that I said I would do this for. So this, this, is, this is me keeping that promise and saying thank you to you. Uh, and forgive me if I say your name wrong, but you got to know that people say my name wrong all the, all the time. So I'm not doing it on purpose. So Meredith Simpson, um, Sering Morong, Al Lynch, Jason Showmaker, um, Shamsuddin Musa, Gregory Proctor, um, J. Matt Yule, Jill Ginsburg, Catherine Gordon, Marshall Ali, Philip Hodge, Daniel Caleb Thomas, Anthony Williams, uh, Amadou Endow, Adeleke Adeshina, April, Laura Caputo, Stacey Pearson, Dr. Pamela Manning, Terry Hollingsworth, Felix Igwu, uh, Leah Houston, Earl Stewart Jr., Rome Madison, Nee Darko, shout out to Nee Darko, um, Docs Out the Box podcast, go check it out. Um, Crystal Thompson, Jason Robinson, Tiffany and James Brunson, Kevin Gilmore, Emil Chuck, Anthony Yoho, Kimberly Lambert, Naima Bridges, Richard. And it's funny, man, because honestly, I did, and I got more coming here still, but honestly, just reading that list, because, man, you can imagine the past two years for me have been like a blur and it's still a blur. I mean, you, you guys won't even imagine how many emails and such I get over random things. How big that, that Kickstarter was, total side note, I've done work for separate entities, like Dr. Kanisha Hall is on that list. Like people I've met outside of Black Men and White Coats had contributed to this to this film that I was working on. That was amazing to me. Yeah, it's crazy. And 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 like, I'm just reading some names out of heaven because I, I never have some names I've seen on here for, and thinking about it for the first time, okay? Yeah. So Timberly, um, Timberly Guilford, um, Hyacinth Lynch, Candy Adekola, Craig Abbott, Ashley Meager, um, Ebenezer Anenny, Eric Candler, Rodney Beasley, Vaughn A. Brown, Queenie Wilkins, Craig Volmers. I didn't know Craig Volmers did that. Um, Cedric Bright. We have a lot of guests. A lot of people didn't put their names in. So those of you guys, again, so Mike and those, we try to give everybody, even in the credits of the film, um, people who gave it a certain level, we put you in the credits of the film, but not everybody gave us your name. So, so if you if you don't see your name in the film, it's not because we don't love you, it's because you didn't <laughs> give us your name. Yeah. All right, Eric Tate, Clayton Butcher is my roommate in Mexico. Uh, Megan WK, DC, Don Morning, Wendy Parnell, Michael, uh, my parents, uh, David Kabif. Uh, I'm getting them. I get, bear with me, Mac. I, I made a okay. promise I was going to do this. I'm giving the people people who backed us. I'm saying I, I love us. you guys. I love you guys for it. And a lot of people are doctors. So I'm not saying doctors, forgive me, because I don't know, because everybody doesn't have doctors, so I'm just saying your names. Linda Cunningham, Chris Gallagher, RW, I think that's, I think that's Raymond um, Warapa. Um, Raymond Warapa, shout out to him. He does True Color Bandages. So you guys check out True Color Bandages. He makes these bandages for um, your skin color. So if like, you know, people look like us when we get cut, we can wear bandages, it looks like our skin color. That's pretty clever. Cedric McFadden, Takia Jordan, Robert, um, um, I'm a joy. I'm a joy, Ryan Gray, from, um, you guys know Ryan Gray, pre-med years, one of the top pre-med podcasters out there. Latoya Clark, uh, Kwame Ennen, uh, Stephanie Corradito, and Robert Churchill. It's cool seeing my family on here too, man. I appreciate y'all family for backing me. I love y'all. Almost done, almost done, getting there. Really almost done, I'm serious, almost done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Green, Dr. Michael Green. I believe I got one more here and Dr. Stephen Noble. So there you go. I promised you guys I was gonna shout all of you guys out for, for um, backing, for supporting. And, you know, it's been, um, it's been a long journey, but we got the film done. So here's a shout out. 
And I just want to say, I appreciate you guys for, for backing up, you know, just really love you guys for support. I don't think I, I mentioned the Clary's, but the Clary should have been there. I don't know if he left his name off there on purpose, but I'm going to shout you out anyways, Chris and Amy Clary. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all, man. All right. So, Michael, um, we're going to go ahead and bring this home, but final part and words about the making of this film. And I know you and I, we're going to have more interviews coming up throughout, you know, this month and stuff, probably. Yeah, yeah. Final parting words about the, you know, the making of the, the film or anything about anything. Yeah, so I've said it time and time again, we want a film that's going to empower the next generation to seek that professional success. But uh, my last parting word for this one is it's a film. So um, I hope you enjoy it. We talked a lot about washability. You know, we want something that people are going to enjoy washing and get that full feeling that that Trisha talked about. So at the end of the day, we created the visual that as a visual, the visual medium, because we knew how powerful it was. So um, last parting word is I I hope you enjoy the film. Hey, and I think those are excellent part of words. Uh, director Micah Autry, thank you so much. My um, Initially, my, uh, I guess my, whatever you call it, contractor, whatever, I don't know what you call it initially, my you know, partner, but then now obviously my friend in this filmmaking process. So definitely thank you so much for helping make the film, but thank you for also being here on this podcast. Um, I don't know if you care about social media shout outs. You want to put some handles in there? You want to put any of your stuff out there? Uh, yeah, yeah. So just follow us, uh, all social media at on motion arts that it's a U M E motion arts. So yeah, that's, we'll be promoting the film just like you will be. <laughs> Excellent. There they go. And all the listeners, man, you guys promote the film too. All right. So if you guys want to know more about the film, go to bmwcmovie.com, bmwcmovie.com. Anybody want to connect with me directly specifically for kind of pre-meds, diverse medicine.com connect with me on there. If you're a doctor, if you want to mentor, or if you're in healthcare at all, you want to be a mentor, diversemedicine.com, get on there as well. Pre-meds, get on there. Pre-meds, check out premedmondays.com. Uh, we try to help you guys out as much as we can in different ways. All right, man. So that is it. Documentary is dropping today. Go check it out. <laughs> WC Media, super excited. It's been a long time coming. Um, hope you guys really enjoyed the documentary. And man, really just, uh, you know, I'm a praying man, man. I pray that this has the impact that, that we set out for it to have and that we can actually make a real deal, difference with it, man. All right, man. Thanks for listening, guys. Love you guys. Life is like a blessing, everything a win, loss is like a lesson Ooh, ooh, yeah, ain't no time for stressing, I've been really stepping Ooh, ooh, yeah, if you wanna go get it, stop playing around Really got on racks, ain't playing around Wanna go get it, stop playing around Really got on racks, ain't playing around Black men, white yeah. coats, shit, we up right now, yeah